You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Do you ever feel that you're managing more than your fair share of the domestic drudgery? I'm not just talking about the household chores. I'm also talking about all the little things you need to remember to keep life on a smooth path. Childcare event nights, book weeks, birthday presents, bills... If you're anything like me, your mind is rarely still. I'm constantly remembering things I need to do while I'm on the go and organising things so the wheels don't fall off our family bus. Eve Rodsky has come upon a way to help even out all the work that happens to keep a family running, and she's written a book about it called Fair Play. Hi, Eve. How are you? Hi. It's so great to talk to you. You thought you were in an equal partnership until you had kids. What happened after kids? Uh, what happened after kids is that my marriage almost ended. I found myself sobbing on the side of the road and a text my husband sent me after my second son, Ben, was born. And that text just said, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. <laughs> and you can picture the scene. I had a breast pump. And a diaper bag in my passenger seat. I had returned the generous people who gave me gifts for my new baby in the back. I had a client contract because I'm a lawyer and a mediator on my lap with a pen in between my legs, trying to mark up the contract at every red light, racing to get my two-year-old from his transition, two-and-a-half-year-old from my, his transition toddler program, which in the United States lasts like about five minutes because they don't really care about working parents here. Um, and even though I knew I was going to be late to pick up Zach, I had a pullover because I was crying too hard. And as I was crying, I was thinking to myself, I used to be able to manage employee teams and I can't even manage a grocery list. And more importantly, how did I become the default? Or I like to call in the book in fair play, the she fault for literally every single household and childcare task for my family. And so that was the day I said, this is not how I envision my life. Um, something has to change. And so I embarked on a quest to find a solution for domestic rebalance that I knew so many of us probably needed. Now, I, I love that you've thought of a way around this, but even listening to that story makes my blood boil. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm so surprised you. Yeah, this... Now I think of my amazing husband. Now, thank God he sent me that blueberry text. If he didn't, maybe I wouldn't have written this book. I know it's so passive aggressive, though. Surprised? Oh dear, yeah, there's no blueberries. Yeah. Um, I think then I really did think I was such a fellow for needs. That's where our marriage has become <laughs> the most fair marriage, where he called himself a feminist, where we took turns doing dishes, doing the laundry helping each other with our careers. Two kids later, I was the fulfiller of his smoothie needs, for sure. But why can't partners just get it, contribute equally? equally? I mean, why is domestic labour so firmly on women still? So there's a fun, on page 38 in the book, is my most fun quiz. It's called Who Said It When? And when I ask the quiz at live events that I've been touring this past week over the book, I talk about, Statements that a woman, this awesome uh, sociologist from 1969, she interviewed men in 1969. 
I interviewed men in 2018, and unfortunately, nobody could tell a difference in the responses. And now, what I'd like to say about Fair Play, though, is that it started as a love letter to women, but it turned into a love letter to men. And what I realized is that everything else out there is saying things like men will never do more in the home. There's a book out around a few months before mine with the conclusion men will never do more. The Guardian wrote a long article that says the only way to solve this issue is to strike or to divorce. I had another article in the New York Times that said the only way to solve the gender division of labor is for you to move to a foreign country (laughs) where the husband knows the language and you don't. So he has to fill out school forms. (laughs) I would love to live on the beaches of Ibiza. My husband's a great Spanish speaker. But it doesn't seem very realistic. So what I did was I interviewed men. I interviewed men. And I found out the number one thing that they hate about home life is nagging. And so I did a lot of research about how to create systems that men could relate to that they really feel empowered to ownership, to own their stuff. And when we did that, I saw men coming to Fair Play in droves. And a lot of Australian men. I'll I'll read to you later some amazing comments I got from Australian men. So it's the concept of Fair Play that the book's about is like playing a game. Um, And I know that you're an organizational specialist as well. Is game playing something that you've used previously to help people uh, redistribute the balance of work? That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. But the answer is yes. So I'm a mediator and an organization specialist. And what that means is that I work on very highly complex families and their issues around their businesses and their family foundations to help them thrive. And what I saw was even my most difficult clients, which I don't know if Australia gets the HBO show Succession yet, but they're a lot like the clients, uh, the, the characters in the, in the show. Um, what was happening was even my most difficult clients, my, the, you know, sort of some of the wealthiest uh, people in America were saying to me, I'm not going to talk about my legacy because I'm never going to die. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, so it sort of ended the conversation there. But what I realized a decade ago is when I brought cards, cards into my mediation, whether they're picture cards or I could say just picture your legacy, pick out a card in this beautiful, you know, deck of cards. Um, And this came from a mediation group that I was part of. Or let's go through values cards. Card play, especially for men, was very helpful because at the end of the day, we're asking people to have difficult conversations. So anything that can make difficult conversations fun is something I sign up for in my mediation practice. And, of course, that's what turned into fair play, how to have difficult conversations around values and expectations that make it fun and then do it in less time than it takes to scroll your social media. <laughs> that's a good, good selling point there. Yeah, my, the, the fair play first game takes 40 minutes, about 30 to 40 minutes of real conversations with your spouse. Some women were saying to me, I don't want to have a conversation that long. It's too long. <laughs> so I said, give me your screen time. Give me your iPhone. So I'd, ha- I'd look at their phone. They've been on social media for four hours and 50 minutes. And so they- I said, in a quarter of the time it takes you to scroll Instagram in one day, 
you're going to be investing in your marriage for a lifetime. Now, you do say that um, introducing the game helped bring men to the table, um, but it's that first que- that first conversation about actually putting the table, putting the cards on the table, that intrigues me. Yeah. I mean, how do you um, how do you suggest that women even get men interested in this concept? Because really, if you look at it, they're not doing too badly about this with the status quo, are they? Yes, I think that's a great question. I'm going to talk about communication for a second. Um, a big hurdle for a lot of women were women who said to me, I don't want to have a conversation about the home. It's not going to work. My husband won't listen. Um, we don't talk about these things. And so this is the crazy thing. One woman said that to me. The same woman, 20 minutes later, not even thinking it's ironic, told me that if her husband forgets to take the wet clothes, out of the washer and put it in the dryer, she dumps them on his pillow. <laughs> I have another woman who told me that she started an Instagram account called The Shit My Husband Doesn't Pick Up. <laughs> and so what I want, and I don't think anybody would have believed me, but luckily BuzzFeed just found a woman in Japan who has a very similar Instagram account called The Shit My, doesn't, doesn't, my, my Husband Doesn't Pick Up in Japanese, and she's gotten 500,000 Instagram followers. <laughs> So, public shaming, dumping stuff on the pillow, crying over blueberries, that's how we're getting relief. So what I say to women is we are already communicating. You are already communicating about domestic life, whether you think so or not. I'm asking for a conversation shift, not a start. And once you see it as a shift, I saw many more women who are willing to engage with the concept of how to bring my husband to the table. And in fair play, I give you the tools. I give you some communication quizzes. I actually even give you a paperless post. So you can hand it to your husband and say, here's my invitation to you to play this game. And it doesn't have to come from her mouth. It can come from my mouth. <laughs> um, one of your pre, pre-game rules is that all time is created equal. Can you explain why this rule in particular is needed in the game? Thank you for asking. That's such an important question. Um, it's the core of everything I found. So what I realized is that it's not about wet clothes on a pillow or off-season blueberries. What I realized after interviewing 500 men and women from all walks of life, including Australia, from Sydney to Melbourne to Perth, was that core finding is that men, women, and society value men's time as diamonds, as finite. And women's time is infinite, like sand. And the reason why that's important is because until all time is created equal, until we can get rid of what I call toxic time messages that men give us, but more importantly, women give themselves, nothing will change because no one will want to play. So there's a really fun chapter that asks you if you've given yourself a toxic time message or you've heard one. And my favorite toxic time message that women give themselves is that they're better multitaskers. I do it because I'm a better multitasker, because I'm wired differently. So the beauty of my job is I fund, my clients fund the top researchers in the world. I got to ask the top neuroscientists, are women better multitaskers? The answer is a resounding no. The one neuroscientist said to me off the record, imagine you can convince half the population that they're better at 
wiping asses and doing dishes. <laughs> How great for the other half of the population. And that's why we see 99 of 100 CEOs are on the first list, are men. So I believe we see it, all, of course, in equal pay, where women are not paid the same for the same job. We don't talk about the fact that women's time is not valued in the home. And so once you can reframe time as my 24 hours are as important as your 24 hours, things started to change. And what I mean by that is an hour holding a hand, your child's hand at a pediatrician office is just as valuable to society as an hour in the boardroom. And that is really the core of fair play. Mm, it would be good to see the whole world playing that game. And, um, of course, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all want to know where you are at now after that initial um, horrible text about the blueberries. <laughs> where are you at now with uh, the domestic uh, equality in your home? Well, I guess nothing speaks better to fair play except that my husband's holding all the cards as I'm on a 30-day book tour um, without reminders and nagging with no schedule. I left for him, um, and I think the beauty of him going from Blueberries Day to now is just that it took us time, and so I think systems don't happen overnight. Systems change don't happen overnight. Self-help books, what I write, they're about habits. Changing habits takes consciousness, and then it takes practice, and so that's why my favorite chapter in the book is called the top 13 mistakes couples make, and the fair play fix. Because Seth and I made a lot of those mistakes too, but couples all over the country um, in America, and actually uh, I have a couple of data testers in Australia too, they're making these mistakes. And that's what took me so long to write the book. Because I wasn't going to go out without having tested it and knowing what things were tripping people up. And so that's what you can see. And the key thing is, if you think that the cards are just another list, and you can throw them at each other. This is not going to work. What this system is about is your value. It's about building your, your family deck, coming together to decide what you value together, and then giving up the card. But if you skip the step of value, then it does not work. Mm. God, there's so much in this book, and I think we might be leaving people hanging. But uh, we'll lead, We'll include mm-hmm. some links to where they can get the books in the notes of this episode. Eve, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad I got to talk to you. That's Eve Rodsky. She's an organizational specialist and author of Fair Play, a game-changing solution for when you have too much to do and more life to live. As I just mentioned, there are links in the notes of this episode for where you can find a copy of the book. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced by Debbie Ning and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. We'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email us at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.